Welcome to the Hot Rap Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Wong, accompanied by the ever-bold and brash J.P. Mortensen. J.P., how are we doing today? Um, Probably better than a lot of GMs. Uh, this is kind of a very stressful time to be an NFL GM right now, but also a very exciting time to be an NFL fan. Yeah, there are a whole lot of cuts, a whole lot of roster moves, and do you want to just jump on into it? Yeah, um... Well, let's start with um, a franchise that's in the division of my favorite team, the Packers, um, the Detroit Lions. and The, the uh, team that's near and news. dear to my heart. I've been a Lions fan since I was like 10, so um, I'm used to the whole rebuild. That being said, Lions were a key player in this year's free agency class as they, have, as they had the rights to Kenny Galladay, the receiver. He's thought by many to be one of the top free agent assets available on the market after he was not franchise tagged by the Lions. So I've seen a lot of people giving the Lions grief for not keeping one of the best players in recent franchise memory, but I'm really not all that mad about the decision. I really understand where the office is coming from. When you have to, when you look at the Lions, you have to consider this. Look at where the brain trust came from. And by the brain trust, I mean the offensive coordinator, head coach, and GM. They come from the Los Angeles Chargers, the Los Angeles Rams, and then we have the New Orleans Saints. Look at the receivers those three teams have. None of them quite fit the the profile of Kenny Galladay. Well, yes, you have Mike Williams in San Diego. Kenny Galladay, he's better. He's a number one receiver. Mike is a number two. You have Keenan Allen. He's more of a route runner. Even in New Orleans, when you have Michael Thomas, who's roughly the same size as Kenny, Kenny's more of a vertical threat than him. So I don't really see where Kenny would fit into the system, and I understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to keep him for $20 million, which is the reported asking price that Kenny wanted, instead of the uh, 18 that he was offered by, I think, this regime and the previous regime. So for those reasons, I'm all right with Kenny leaving. I am sad to see him go. He's a great player, but I understand why the Lions might not want to have him in their in their immediate tank that they're just about to uh, embark on. So JP, do you have any if, any thoughts? If you're Kenny Galladay, I mean, you get to leave the Lions, um, which is at, at this point in time kind of a good thing. Um, I think Kenny Galladay, he just something about him doesn't fit right. And you've touched on a few of the, the stylistic things. I think part of it is he's a, he's definitely a wide receiver one, but he's kind of a mid-tier wide receiver one. Around, I'd say he's about as good as an Allen Robinson, um, Keenan Allen type, where very much you can build a deadly passing attack around him. However, I don't think he's good enough to warrant spending that much money given the place they're in. And it's, it's just a tough situation for the Lions. It's tough to see a player like that walk out the door, but he's definitely going to have a lot of success wherever he goes in the league. Um, he's 27 years old. Again, kind of in the middle. Not too young, but also not old. It's it's a weird situation that um, that arose here, but he's he going to... He has some injury concerns. Passes. He has some injury concerns. We talked about this last night being a uh, an issue. Also, considering he's 27 years old, heading into his first... Uh, first big deal contract, things aren't really lining up for him to be in a position to have an an extended career, hit that third contract mark. So you have to understand that the Lions are going to 
tear down this whole roster. I mean, they're over the cap by like million and a half, and they're not even a they're not close to a playoff team. So it's going to be years before this team is playoff ready again. And by that point, I think Kenny might just be a depreciating asset. So I'd love to see him also, go to a contender, but I don't and think don't it's forget be him being there is. Kind of, even though he may not be the perfect fit to build around and whatnot, he's a good football player that is going to contribute to wins, and that's just not what the Lions are looking for right now. Um, well, that's kind of how the NFL's operated for a while under the salary cap. Yeah, um, you're either tanking or building a contender, and and you have to tank almost before you build a contender, and that's what the Lions are doing. So, um, JP, are there any spots you'd like to see Kenny? I have a couple in mind, but do you have any just right off the bat? Um, well, I think there are a few wide receiver hungry teams. Um, I think something that's been rumored, uh, the New York Giants, that would be interesting. Yeah, the Giants definitely need help at receiver. The team that I'm looking for is in that same division. I'd love him to go to the Washington football team. Pair him with Terry. Pair, yeah, pair him with Terry, whatever they do at quarterback. I don't think you Gibson. can really... Yeah, dude, you have so many weapons there. It would be... It'd be scary. Washington would be scary. Another team I'm also looking at, maybe not as... Mm, I like the Ravens as a fit. They kind of need that big body guy. That's what they've been searching for with the whole Miles Boykin kind of draft pick. But Miles Boykin is not close to the player Kenny is. So that one might be a nice fit. Put him on a contender. And uh, yeah, those are the two that immediately came to mind. Do you have any more thoughts or... Yeah, I mean, him on the Ravens would be, it would just clean things up with that offense, right? Mark Andrews could stop trying to be wide receiver one and instead just become tight end one and beast out that way. Um, I mean, Marquise Brown, he's got a lot of talent. He has some tools. He's maybe not developing into the wide receiver one complete package that they hoped he would become, but he's got enough to contribute a lot as a wide receiver too. And I think if you were to get Kenny Galladay in there, that would just... Yeah, you that just, would take that offense to the next level. Yeah, you um, just bump everyone happen, down but... the depth chart one. You just bump them down one slot, and it lets them be used in a more efficient manner. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think they have a lot of guys who are playing up almost, like a wide receiver two is playing wide receiver one roles, um, namely Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. Everyone could just go back to their natural role, and, and I think that would work a lot. I, I hope it happens that way. That would be the most fun as an NFL fan. Um, the NFC or NFC East is kind of a dumpster fire sometimes. Um, even though things were looking up, especially for Washington, um, the past five year trajectories of all those teams, you know, you kind of worry. Like I really like Kenny Galladay; he's an awesome player, and I, I just worry that he might go to a situation like that. And I'd rather see him in Baltimore. But anyway, that's the fan in me talking. Transitioning to a couple other receivers, we got Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears. They were both actually hit with a franchise tag. So, JP, do you have any thoughts on the decision for the Buccaneers and the Bears to franchise these respective players? Um, well, I think it's interesting to look at how the franchise tag is going to be used in general for teams, right? Um, this is a weird offseason. We've hit on it before um, with the salary cap going down from 198 to 182 yesterday. That was the number that was announced. Um, and you're going to have teams finding creative ways to get under. Um, it, a lot of these teams don't have the money. They just don't have the money to sign these guys to big deals. 
or they don't have the foresight. You know, both of these franchises are in weird places. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to monitor in the coming weeks how this works out. What do, you, do you have any thoughts, Jackson? Yeah, so with Tampa Bay, I fully support the idea to franchise Godwin. He's one of the game's top seven receivers, I'd say. He's yeah. an elite young talent. And I mean, hell, you just want a Super Bowl. You may as well just run it back. They've already brought back Shaquille Barrett and Levante David. Make another run at it. And uh, it seems as if Chris Godwin really enjoys playing in Tampa. So maybe you can negotiate a cheaper contract next year. So it just gives you the flexibility to kind of work with that. With Allen Robinson, that's an interesting situation. So as you know, as I know, as pretty much the world knows, the Chicago Bears are sunk because they don't really have a quarterback and they haven't had a quarterback since Sexy Rexy Grossman. Hell yeah. But... Hey, don't forget about Smoking Jay. Okay, yeah. I'm, I, they haven't had a really good quarterback, and I, th- that includes those two. So the rumors are that the Chicago Bears are going to mortgage the future to try to secure a Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, or insert disgruntled quarterback that we see later. But they want to keep Allen Robinson to be that guy's primary target. However, this is kind of a, a fantasy that will most likely not be able to happen. So that leads me to believe they're trying to recoup some value on Robinson via tag and trade. I'm not entirely sure who they're trying to, or what draft pick they would be willing to get for Robinson, but I would be looking for a team like the Patriots, who notoriously don't like to draft receivers, to uh, perhaps come at Chicago with a first for Robinson and help alleviate some of that cap. So that's pretty much all I have to say about those two. Do you have any more thoughts? Yeah, I mean, well, so the Chris Godwin situation, it's a little interesting because it's almost like he's overkill. Like, he was a little extra in that um, Tampa Bay got a lot right in the playoffs last year. I think they were underutilized him a little bit. Now, he had a bad case of the drops, and I don't think he ever really had that before. Oh, no, never. Um, he's one of the most year. sure-handed receivers that Tom has ever played with, as Tom said. But, I mean, he only had one catch in the Super Bowl. And granted, Tom Brady only threw for about 200 yards. They were just up so big early that they ran the ball down their throats instead. Um, But I think it'd be interesting to see how it works out if he gets another postseason run. I think he's going to have a much bigger, more defined role in this offense. Um, And the reports from Tampa Bay and all of that, it seems like they know what they're working with. They know he's a good player. They want him to get a second chance. It's not like something devolves there and it all fell apart. That's why he wasn't getting the stats. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a player, a good, a great receiver, as you said, top seven. He's gonna make a big impact in the league for the next few years, whether it's in Tampa Bay or elsewhere. And Allen Robinson, he was the entire Bears offense, right? The Bears, believe it or not, you know, it's hard to think. The Bears were a playoff team last year. Isn't that crazy? They played a game on Nickelodeon, JP. Um, but he's the engine of this Bears offense. He was by far, he was the only thing that was able to move the ball for the Bears. Um, Mitchell Trubisky was surprisingly good. Weird situation there. Um, we've gotten into it in other episodes and we can get into it again later. Um, lot to unpack, but he made whatever it was, it was kind of functional, functional enough to get in the playoffs. He was the only reason it was like that. This guy is really good. And I agree that those are those are my only thoughts on that. Do you want to just touch on all the other franchise tag getters? That sounds like um, yeah. Let's let's just do that, dude. 
or most of them, because some of these guys aren't as interesting, but we can just touch on every single guy. So we got Justin Simmons getting tagged by the Broncos. Justin is one of the best, he's one of the best safeties and coverage players in the game right now who doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Uh, he's in that Vic Fangio scheme. It's tailored perfectly to him. I, I'm glad that the Broncos didn't let him hit the market. He's far too good to go elsewhere for that team. You have any thoughts on Simmons? Yeah, I mean, it was it was basically just a placeholder, and I think it was it was very smart of them to keep him around that franchise. He's he just makes good things happen. Taylor Moton, Carolina Panthers. He's the big tackle. So I'm a big fan of Taylor Moton's game. He once again small market guy, so he doesn't get quite the credit he deserves. But he's quietly one of the best pass blockers in the game. Uh, Carolina is trying to. Another team that's trying to swing for the fences with quarterback trades. So you kind of need that that key protection piece. And Taylor Moton is that. He allows you to slide away from him. He can be on an island. Much in the same way that a cornerback can be on the island. So Taylor Moton, I think he's a great investment for the Carolina Panthers. I'd love to see if they could bang out a long-term deal. Any thoughts on Moton and the Panthers? that future because that's an that's an interesting situation there in Carolina um yeah well he's according to PFF he's ranked second only to Mitchell Schwartz in pass blocking grades amongst right tackles um he's one of the best tackles in the league and in a passing league where it looks like Carolina's trying to make the move to get a big quarterback in there um I think keeping him around is good yeah now we got Marcus May and the Jets now, Marcus May, another guy who gets criminally underrated because he plays on a, on a stink-butt team. So the Jets are... They're lucky to have a guy of this quality on their defensive back end. He can play any position, pretty much. Maybe not outside corner, but he's fantastic over the top. He can even play in the box. He, and he's going to serve as a great mentor and safety blanket for the young corners they have with Lamar Jackson, uh, Javelin Guidry, uh, the Virginia kid, shit, and I can't remember his name right now, but Bryce Hall, there we go. So I think that it's a good idea for the Jets to keep him, especially transitioning to this Salah defense. So May, I think, is a great keep for the Jets. Any thoughts, Jay? Yeah. Um, he just he gives Robert Salah something to work with in the secondary. Just a, a proven piece, yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to say in way more words. <laughs> so, do you have any other right, ideas we'll, for the Jets? Um, I think you you said it all. Um, he's again, it's just one of those franchises that doesn't have a lot of great pieces, and they need to do everything in their power to keep the ones they have, and he's one of them. Yeah. So Leonard Williams and the Jets, or Giants rather, former Jet Leonard Williams, current Giant. So, um, New York has a whole lot of defensive tackles, don't they, JP? And uh, Leonard is probably the most valuable of them. He is, I would say he's the best pass rusher in New York right now, both teams. And although it takes on an almost $20 million cap hit, since this is his second tag, I think he might be worth it for this New York Giants interior. New York is trying to 
kind of play a Big 12-style defense with a three-down lineman, and I think Leonard is an integral part in that success that they had last season. So I think he's a good player. Maybe the cost is a little too high, but New York needs anchors, and he's one of them. I don't know. I don't have a whole whole lot of thoughts on, on Leonard Williams right now other than he's good. And uh, Do you think a lot of these guys are going to get long-term deals before the deadline? I'm not sure. Um, the July 15th deadline, which he's talking about, it allows uh, them to negotiate up until that point. I would... I would hope we see a couple, but I haven't done a deep enough dive into the cap situation to understand who and who, who can, who could theoretically make this kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, like, it just makes sense. It's a weird year. <laughs> it is a really and weird year. Just by any means necessary. That's kind of how the franchise tag feels like. Like... We don't have the resources to give you the deal you want, but we just want you around. That's exactly what the franchise tag was supposed to be. Uh, it started with John Elway on the Denver Broncos. Small market team needed to keep their star player and didn't have the funds. They created something that would allow them to do that. Once again, the NFL ownership always wins. So do you want to move on to another team that did a whole lot of winning last year, surprisingly? Washington football team, they locked up Brandon Scher, the offensive, uh, he's a guard, but he's a very, very damn valuable player. This is a second consecutive tag, so it's valued at 18 mil, so that's a pretty hefty, hefty price for a guard, but I think this guy might be worth it. You, uh, you're bringing in a young quarterback, or perhaps an old placeholder, and Brandon Sheriff is one of the only pieces on the offensive line that will allow that offense to function he'll open up running lanes for Antonio Gibson he's a stalwart in pass protection and uh he's a guy you don't have to really worry about so Washington I think they could be big spenders in free agency this year god knows they have cap for it and uh I'm just interested why they didn't give Sheriff a long-term contract over a franchise tag but maybe he's one of those candidates for the July 15th deadline you have any thoughts on the Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a good old Iowa boy tackle, you know? Or, I mean, not, excuse me. He was guard. a tackle, now he's a guard. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch a ton of uh, Washington football team, but I can imagine that him being healthy, him being around, and Gibson going off are all, all related factors in their success last year. I agree. So... Now we're going to go to Jacksonville, and I know I've been saying, oh, I kind of like this tag. I like this tag for everyone. This is one I do not agree with at all. Cam Robinson. So Cam has been, I would say he's been a little bit of a bust. I think he dropped to the second round. Yeah, he was a second rounder, but he was suspected to be a top 15 pick in the pre-draft cycle in his draft class. He has not lived up to those expectations at all. In fact, he's been one of the worst tackles in the league. But that small market thing is playing in his favor since no one really watches Jacksonville. He doesn't get criticized all that much. He's so, also 6'6", 320, and only 25 years old. And, um, I mean, he had great... At some point, he's going to have to start producing. And, like, they're, he's going to stop getting deals 
um, just for his physique and for what hype he had before the draft. But this is not the year that's going to stop. I mean, yeah, he's remembered for being on Alabama and facing off against Miles Garrett and holding his own. And that's just not been the same case in the league. He has a 56.2 grade according to PFF average over the past two years. And with the depth of the tackle class this year and with the money Jacksonville can spend to, say, go after a, a Trent Williams, I'm just not really sure why you bring him back. Well, I think he's... Uh, a lot of times guys will become the victim of this, but he's very much the beneficiary of name recognition as a lineman. Yeah, dude. I remember back in the day where offensive linemen used to get paid just because they had X games started. Crazy times. Yeah. Crazy times. Um, yeah, for some reason, he's one of those guys where even though he hasn't produced or even like played at an extremely high level, um, he's he just has name recognition. It, it's It's weird. Um, I mean, well, he, I guess he was on that 2017 Jaguars team. He was, and he was a young player then, and we haven't seen that much development. So, right, so he started young and playable with that physique. So you assumed he would develop into a monster, but he just hasn't. Yep, and they got Jawan Taylor on the other side. So I, I just don't understand the value in keeping him. I, I just don't. I, I guess maybe he's getting paid how much? Sixteen mil. Uh, 13.6 mil, sorry. But still... Way too much still. Still, for that kind of quality of play, it's it's just not been worth it. Yeah, and Pro Football Focus has him doo-doo, right? They have him at 56.2, dead last among qualifying left tackles. Now, granted, uh, Jackson, you as a lineman, you obviously understand that some of that is dependent on where if your entire O-line is trash, you're going to struggle. But at some point, 56.2, that's pretty bad. Yeah, he's pretty much been a turnstile, and let's just hope for Trevor Lawrence's sake, yes, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, don't give me any of this Zach Wilson bullshit, that he needs to just be better. He needs to be a better player. So we got one more player. We got one more player on the list for franchise tags, and this one, another. it's another head-scratcher considering the situation they're in. The New Orleans Saints decided to slap the franchise tag on safety Marcus Williams. So um, this is an $11 million tag, so it's the safety position. They don't get paid very much. But I'm just wondering why. The Saints are like $60 million over the cap. So what value is it having this safety if you're going to have to tear everything else down? All right, let me preface this. Like, uh, Marcus Williams is a beast, all right? Oh, yeah, that he's a, a damn good safety. I mean, don't, However, don't get me wrong. I guess they're just like, whoever is going to play quarterback for the next year, whether it's uh, Drew Brees working out those off-season videos, um, if he can figure out how to throw the ball more than 20 yards again. Um, no, it's probably not going to be him. That was a joke. Uh, but I guess they're whoever's going to be... Taysom Hill! <laughs> Throw them to the wolves. We're not going to give money to the linemen. We're not going to sign. We're just going to bring back a safety, right? Um, I think, yeah, they just have so many needs. And the safety is, it shouldn't have been one of the top ones. Um, uh, that's how I feel about this. Yeah. Um, so I think that does it for our franchise tag situation. So down to talk just other roster moves that have been happening in the league. Yeah, you want to start? So, JP, we're going to move to a player that's near and dear to your heart, a guy who lives forever in Wisconsin, Lord, J.J. Watt. 
So, oh man, I love this guy. Yeah, so he's been part of the Texans fire sale, except for Deshaun Watson, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So JJ Watt. Yeah, I don't know if it's as much of a fire sale as you know when you play fantasy football. And you have that one guy in the league who just doesn't know what he's doing. He's kind of an idiot, and you pretend like you're going to help him, but you really just take advantage of him with trades. JP, that's mean. JP, that's mean. (laughs) But (laughs) it's accurate, but it's mean. That's the Texans right now. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, Anyway, um, all the reports, it's a shame it ended like that with the Texans, you know? He's done so much for that city, so much for that franchise. Um, And it was really good for them to cut him. I think that was one of the better things. It's it's the least they could do. It's the least they could do. And he's on a contender. We're a contender now with the Arizona Cardinals. Hell yeah, brother. He got the 99 unretired, and he's going to be rocking it in the desert. And I'm excited as hell to see this defense. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be so cool, dude. Him and Chandler Jones, if you bring back Hassan Reddick, throw in all the blitzes that they do, just untraditional amoeba defense. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be insane how much pressure they're going to be able to get. So you think about Chandler Jones. He's a long outside rusher. He, He's good enough to do pretty much everything. He's a fantastic pass rusher and a fantastic just lineman generally. But I think J.J. is the perfect foil for him. J.J. is more of a pocket pusher at this point in his career. A damn good pocket pusher. But when you have a guy with length on one side and a guy with power on the other, that just that just makes it, that makes sacks, dude. Because you have one guy pushing into the long guy or the long guy pushing into the pusher. It, it just... It's going to be a very scary defense for most offensive linemen and just offensive coordinators, and I am damn excited to see what the Arizona Cardinals can do, provided Cliff Kingsbury can, you know, dial up a good offense. Well, it doesn't only make sacks. I mean, one of the basics of football is even if you don't get the sack, if you're getting pressure, you're making good things happen. Oh, um, yeah, and, and they're going to open up get, so many free rushers. And so many... Bad throws are going to happen too. They're going to get picked off. Um, it's they have a real defense. Like I would not want to play them, especially in the playoffs. They need to address some things. Pat P is probably leaving in free agency. That leaves you with Byron Murphy, and that's about it at corner. So they need Alfred. to. Address, I think they released Bryce Alford actually, if I recall. Uh, I mean, they still have Buda Baker in the secondary. I mean, yeah, they, they have they have guys at safety, but they just need to address corner. They have good linebackers. They have a good line. I think, well, now they have a good line. I'm very excited to see what Vance Joseph is able to do with that personnel. Isaiah Simmons, year two, it's going to be spooky. It was a little bit overdue, all right? Patrick Peterson, we've touched on it already in this show, name brand. Um, he was phenomenal for so many years, but he's kind of fallen off a little bit. He's not quite the guy he used to be, to say the least. Um, he's I mean, still he's a damn good player, but yeah. Um, yeah, he's still a damn good player, but he's not the lockdown elite cornerback Patrick Peterson we were used to. And that, that really changes things. Um, so don't be alarmed when you see him walk and think that this defense is falling apart or anything like that. 
it's natural. It's probably going to happen. And, and they're going to have to draft some young talent. I mean, that's ultimately how you make a good defense is you bring in these guys. You hopefully you have a good, a bunch of good players, but it's a no names that really make a defense work. Hopefully they can hit on a couple guys later, maybe in the third round to just shore up that defensive backfield. But I mean, pressure solves a whole lot of problems in the NFL. So I'm just, I'm ecstatic to see JJ in Arizona and it's going to be a scary division. I can tell you that much. And when you add in the nature of their offense too, right? Where you have a great contested Kent jump ball receiver in Hopkins. You have Murray who can torch you with his arm and his legs. They, run, they like to run a lot of two tight end sets. Um, Kenyon Drake, very disappointing in a lot of ways last year, but he also had his bright spots. Um, but it, it seems like the kind of offense that's going to mesh well with their defense, where they're going to have a lot of possession, ball control, and just a team that's hard to get off the field. Mm-hmm. So one of the other biggest things that has happened in the past couple weeks is do you want to talk about the Cowboys or do you want to, do you want to lead off on this one? Dak Prescott getting the big bucks. So yeah, Dak Prescott signed a four year, $160 million deal. Yes. Dak got paid, even though he wrecked his ankle and it may have ruined it all. And no, he didn't. He got this money. Um, So there was a whole fiasco last year, and he was obviously very infamously franchise tagged, um, where he wa- um, he and Jerry Jones couldn't come to an agreement. Um, it turns out, all, all reports are saying that it, it wasn't the money. Jerry Jones was willing to fork out for Dak. Dak wanted a three-year deal because he wanted to hit free agency again in three years. Um, and the Cowboys wanted to sign him to a four- or five-year deal um, for the opposite reason, so he wouldn't hit free agency in three years. And they couldn't come to an agreement there, but... It seems as if both parties have reconciled and, and the four-year, $160 million deal seems like a good compromise. Um, ultimately, Dak is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's a tier below the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson types, but he, he was able to move the ball, and he was making some great throws last year before he was injured. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year when he was healthy. He was leading um, the league by a mile in passing when he went down. Yeah, I mean, granted, they were a terrible team with – um, a Garbage coach who had no idea what he was doing and found themselves trailing, so he ended up chucking the ball a lot. But he did really well in those situations. I, I have a hard time remembering. I remember Blake Bortles would get a lot of garbage yardage, made him great in fantasy, but Dak Prescott would get a lot of garbage yardage, somehow bring his team almost back, and sometimes all the way back, like we saw against the Falcons. Yeah, the Cowboys had a weird season. Uh, look forward to seeing what the implications of the signing are in the future, because... Uh, it kind of hamstrings them in what they're able to do. I mean, at some point, talent's going to walk out the door because of that massive contract. So, can Dak shoulder a load in a couple of years? I mean, now they have a team that he can lead to the playoffs, I think. I don't think they're Super Bowl caliber. But, they're going to be a damn good team next year, provided everyone stays healthy. I mean, at least offensively. Defensively, that's a little... Ugh. But... That's a that's a topic for another day. Yeah, I mean, I think this just highlights why so many teams really go for the try to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback. If you find a quarterback who can play early and you draft him, that's the time to load up and go on a Super Bowl run um, before you have to really fork out all this money for a quarterback to keep him on your roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, every team is going to hit this situation. You can only have a guy in his rookie deal for so long. 
And if you look at the teams that are doing well, I mean, it was a myth. Like, you, you had so many quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, young Jared Goff, young Russell Wilson, obviously Patty Mahomes, where it seems like that's the only way to do it. But it just makes it harder this way. But having an experienced quarterback almost makes up for itself in a lot of ways. You know, JP, the easiest way to get around that is just draft draft good players. You know, the ones yeah. that like are good at football, you should get those guys on your team as opposed to the guys who are not as good as football. Yeah, like how, how are more people like not wanting to draft Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, why can't you just... make sense. I hope you can detect the sarcasm in our voice right now, our voices. Drafting is very hard. Yes, it's a crapshoot. You just got to hope you get lucky. So, do you want to move on to some other news relating to Patrick Mahomes? Um, well, yeah. So, uh, as the last memory we have of Patrick Mahomes, or my last memory is him making some epic throws that weren't caught, but a lot of people is him being harassed and just mercilessly hounded. Running for his life. Defense. Absolutely yes. running for his life. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback in a Super Bowl have to run for his life quite like that, ever. Um, I think the only exception is when I saw a replay of the 85 Bears and what they were doing to that quarterback. But it's uh, can you remember a quarterback in a game that big having that little protection? Um, no. Well, okay, so a big reason why he was in that position was his O-line was pretty banged up and injured. Um, you want to talk about this, Jackson? Yeah. Um, what happened there? So the Chiefs lost pretty much their whole interior offensive line early on in the season and their all-pro right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. So already Kansas City was a hobbled offensive line. Then once they got to the divisional round, I think it's the divisional round, Eric Fisher went down. So yikes, the Chiefs were left with pretty much all backups and this morning the Chiefs released Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz in a completely unforeseen move. And these moves clear out around 18 mil. 18, yeah, about around 19 mil. And I really don't have the words to describe how I feel right now. I am confused. I'm, I, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> but I, I want to look for the silver lining in this. As I said earlier in the show, this is a very damn deep offensive line class. We'll get into that in future episodes when you get more draft-centric. Boy, I've been taking a whole lot of notes, so I can't wait to show you guys all that. But why release both? You have Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Maybe let go of Fisher. That cleared $12 million off their cap space. But Mitchell Schwartz is only a saving of 6.55 mil. I understand that he's injured and he might not be available for the beginning of the season, but he's a critical member of that offensive line. He's been known as Von Miller's daddy on social media. He's one of the best pass-blocking offensive linemen this league has to offer. So, and don't forget, he reps our hometown. Oh, hell yeah, Pacific Palisades. Yeah, JP lives about three minutes away from where he used to play high school football. But dude, like... Legend. What are you doing? What are the Chiefs doing? Like... <laughs> Patrick Mahomes cannot be happy. Patrick's going to be doing a whole lot more running, or um, Tyreek Hill is going to be playing wildcat quarterback for him. I truly don't know what the Chiefs' next steps are going to be. I eagerly await to see them, but 
I'm just caught completely off guard. I'm baffled by this. I know I've been dominating this conversation. So do you have anything else you want to want to say? Well, I mean, the whole theme of this episode is you're going to be watching a lot of teams do weird things to get under the cap, right? None of them expected the cap to take a dip like this, um, which it happened because, you know, loss of revenue, all that. Well, it happened because COVID it. happened, and obviously that's a pretty difficult challenge most the world has to deal with. But uh, still. Yeah, and it's put the NFL in this unprecedented um, <laughs> situation. Um, I, yeah, I... I was I was excited to see the creative ways teams would would choose to get under the cap, and I think you're honestly going to see a lot more stuff like this, where it just doesn't make sense to us, the fan, and it may not make sense on the field. Um, sometimes these football guys or these front office guys they overthink things, and uh, they try to find creative solutions and end up just shooting themselves in the foot. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not you, you can take half a step back and be like, hey. You saw the Super Bowl. Maybe you guys shouldn't have let these linemen go. Or maybe they're onto something. They're going to draft some replacements. They might have a few growing pains, but saving this $20 million might be in the long run best interest. It's it's one of those deals where you just have to wait and see how it plays out. I don't think this is a gamble you should really take. It's not really a smart one. If you look historically, getting rid of offensive line pieces does not do you well in the NFL. It's but, both. It's both. It's your bookend tackles, and one of them is, like, one of the best in the league. I, I'm sorry I'm getting so upset about this, but I uh, understand yeah. I understand oh, no, taking I'm part of the risk, on... but not the full risk. Yeah, I don't understand this, honestly. I was just trying to explain, like, how they could have come to this decision. But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes cannot be happy. Or maybe Patrick Mahomes is calling the shots, you know. Maybe he was sick of him. Oh, I think we can do better. And he was like, get rid of him. Or Patrick has all the money, so he doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. If I get injured, I still get paid. <laughs> yep. And in our last bit, um, we're just going to go down some of the moves and give our thoughts, our brief 10-second thoughts on the big moves that have been happening in the NFL. Um, so let's start with, oh, huge move. Steelers re-signing wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod to a one-year deal. Okay, so Ray Ray's a returner, first and foremost. That is deceiving, but like it's just one more nail in the coffin for Juju Smith-Schuster's exodus from Pittsburgh. Go chase that social media TikTok following in New York or something, Juju. And we'll find out whether or not he's really all that. You know, he had that one great season, but he's been inconsistent, to say the least, since. And we'll, we'll, maybe in a new environment, new team, he's going to beast out. Maybe he'll just implode. We'll see. Can't wait to watch. So next bit of news. Texans receiver Brendan Cooks restructures his deal. So there are reports that Brendan Cooks wanted to get just outright released so he can finally pick his own team instead of being traded. But it seems as if uh, the Texans might want to keep them in their future for at least one more year as they've restructured his contract. contract. So he'll be a free agent following the 2022 season. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of teams restructuring deals. There's There's a lot that players can do to just... They're going to get paid the same amount ultimately, but the teams are going to save a lot in the cap for the immediate future. Um, they're probably going to pay for it more in the longer run, but right now these teams just need to get under the cap. That's their number one main priority. So, yeah, for the Saints in their latest cap scrambling maneuver released Janoris Jenkins. So the Saints are in dire straits in their cap situation. I think they're like $60 million or something over the cap. Or they were $60 million, million over the cap. But it's just, it's in, it's insane what the Saints are going to have to do to just scrap that roster. 
So Janoris, yeah. he's out. They just they have a problem where they compile too many good veteran pieces in an attempt to win now, which they didn't, and now they're paying for it. But yeah, they went about team building the way you probably should, which just go all in and try to extend that future. And I mean, them and the Eagles are in that same situation where you won the or you got close to the ring, if not won the ring. So now you're going to have to pay that bill. So uh, Riley Reef. Yeah, I mean, well, it's the first domino that's going to fall for the Vikings. Um, yeah, they free up eleven point seven five million dollars. Um, it's again, teams are just going to have to do some weird stuff, and and you never want to cut a big left tackle like that, but that's what they had to do. I mean, Riley's a completely average, average tackle in this league, and uh, I think I understand why the Vikings would not really want to keep them in their future for $11.75 million. So... Yeah, and by that, let me amend my statement. In a normal year, they would have held on to him. Yes, I agree. However, in this year, when you really take a closer look, he's he's an expendable piece, and they save some money. Especially, I'm going to keep on harping on this, when the offensive tackle class is so damn good this year. It's... We're going to be seeing a whole lot of roster movement like that. So Tennessee has been also scrambling for uh, cap space, and they cut two of their bigger-name DBs and Kenny Vaccaro and Malcolm Butler. Um, I feel like these are two guys that get a lot of name-brand recognition, Malcolm Butler, um, but uh, they're just they're going to have to rebuild, but I don't think their secondary wasn't great anyway, so um, maybe getting some new faces in there, cheaper faces, won't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Tennessee does with the Jory Jackson coming back from injury, Christian Fulton year two, and I mean, they have Kevin Byard, who's a stud at safety. So, I mean, they could, they have pieces there. They have pieces in place. They have a couple solid guys on the D-line. They just need help filling in the places. So, Kenny Vaccaro, Malcolm Butler, I wonder where they're going to end up. I think Kenny has really been skating by on his just overall averageness while Malcolm Butler has been coasting on his name primarily. We're going to see if they can capture some of that magic they held earlier in that in earlier in their career. Sorry. Yeah, and just a few more uh, cap-saving deals. Kyle Mannoy and Kevin Zeidler um, for the Dolphins and Giants, respectively. Um, again, well, I sound like a broken record, but what you're seeing is teams are identifying which team, which players are kind of the fat, you know, expendable. And, and even though they may even have to eat a little bit of dead cap, um, it's worth it. Yeah. So, um, this year's interior offensive line group isn't fantastic unless you're looking for centers. I'm talking about free agency. But Kevin Zeitler being released definitely helps that guard depth after uh, Thune from the Patriots. Zeitler's a he's a damn good player. He's probably their best O-lineman last year for the Giants. And um, he's a very respected player in the league. Maybe he goes to contender, but I can see him primarily being a, being a stalwart offensive lineman for one of these young quarterbacks, whether it be in Cincinnati, going back to Cincinnati, or somewhere else. The Van Noy yeah. move I'm a little interested in. Kyle had a pretty dang good season, and he's uh, he's one of these Patriots disciple players. So seeing him released from Miami after only one year and a four-year contract, interesting. 
that means Miami is probably trying to free up some cap space in terms of uh, trying to chase a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson or one of these other free agency, or not free agent, but trade candidate quarterbacks. But it's just, um, it's an interesting move to see some guy sign a one-year contract or sign a four-year contract and get cut after the first, especially after yeah. playing well. Um, and so, yeah, a couple more guys who just got cut. I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. Is a receivers John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. They're gonna hit the market. Um, again, it's just the salary cap deficit. Um, but uh, a contract that was signed yesterday that I think is kind of a big deal is um, Levante David's coming back. Yeah, we touched on this. Just I touched on it slightly earlier in the episode, but yeah, he's back on a two-year, twenty-five million dollar deal. I mean, he's he's one of the best linebackers in the league, and he deserves he deserves his payday. And he got yeah. he got a solid chunk of change. Yeah, um, and one of the biggest casualties with trimming the fat and whatnot, which has been happening for many years, is running backs. Yeah. Um. So. Both two teams, yes, the other day, um, Packers said they're not going to franchise tag running back Aaron Jones, and the Seahawks aren't going to franchise tag Chris Carson. These are both pretty good players that are at the end of their rookie deals um, that are about to hit free agency. And I think both, or at least for the Packers, they've done a good job of establishing contingency plans and guys who are going to be able to be just next man up and get the job done. But... um, Again, Aaron Jones, he's going to command more money than they're willing to fork out somewhere else. Um, I think same thing with Chris Carson. Probably very much less money than Aaron Jones, but he's still a good player. Yeah, he's a dang good player. He's been primary engine in Seattle's run offense. So it's going to be interesting to see where that kind of physical back will end up and what kind of money he'll demand. Aaron Jones is a little bit more versatile because he's, he's an asset in the passing game. But it's going to be weird seeing the... Packers with uh, AJ Dillon and AJ Dillon in the backfield, and maybe like a little occasion of a uh, Tyler Irvin, is it? Yeah, or maybe they're going to draft someone new in one of the later rounds. That's because probably what I would Jamal guess. Williams is out, right? Jamal is a free yes. agent as well. So yeah, it's yes. going to be interesting seeing what the Packers do at running back. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they drafted Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, the same draft. Um, they both got a lot of production in their rookie deals. Looks like they're going to try to do the same thing with A.J. Dillon. Um, something you see a lot of the top teams doing, just having a revolving door of good, productive running backs on their rookie deals. So to finish up this podcast, I just wanted to touch on what the Carolina Panthers are doing. They've recently restructured Christian McCaffrey and Shaq Thompson's deal. Shaq Thompson, the linebacker. Christian McCaffrey, the superstar running back. In, a move, in moves that will save approximately 16.5 mil. So... If you just want to read the tea leaves a little bit, we can see Carolina is going to go hard after Deshaun Watson, presumably. And they're trying to get enough cap space where they can comfortably make things work. So we're going to see Carolina throw the the farm at the Texans to try to secure a franchise quarterback. So JP, do you have any thoughts on what's going on with the Panthers and David Tepper? Yeah, well, David Tepper, he's a big Wall Street guy. Um, he literally came out in the news um, the other day and said he's going to get bullish on stocks. Um, he's he's a finance guy who wants to – he understands the value of assets, and he really understands 
how important it is to have one of the four or five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, they brought in Teddy Bridgewater last offseason, and Teddy was actually decent. I thought he was a good quarterback, very solid. But um, I think Tepper and the Panthers, they they realized that as good of a teammate and everything Teddy Bridgewater was, he's still Teddy Bridgewater, and you're not going to get it done. You're not. It's, it's much harder to win the Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater than, say, Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson being your quarterback. Um, so he's definitely the type to overpay for a quarterback, do whatever it takes to get him on the roster now, um, just because he understands how valuable that is, then he can very much justify whatever the costs are. And I think, I think it's almost always justified when you look at the four or five year after after these deals get done. Um, do you have any other thoughts, Jackson? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a quarterback. It's by far the most important position on the football field, and you said it best. If you don't have one of these four or five top quarterbacks in the league it's so much harder to win the big games so it's possible if you look at what san francisco did i mean they didn't win and one of the big reasons why they didn't win was because jimmy garoppolo overthrew and uh, he was okay he didn't lose the game but he didn't go out and win the game last year with the chiefs in the super bowl but they they're the the exact opposite in that they built a roster from the ground up um through the defense and having quarterback not be one of their biggest strengths. However, they still invested the assets to get a quarterback. Um, it just didn't end up working out that way. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, how often does a top five quarterback become available? It's Almost it's very that. rare. I mean, yes, you have generational, quote-unquote, generational quarterback prospects. I mean, they come out every three years. But... Even that's still kind of a crapshoot. It's a draft. It's a draft prospect. Here we have Deshaun Watson, who we know he's a baller. Everyone knows he's a baller, and guys like that you typically can't get unless they're on your roster. So having them come available is extremely rare. And Tepper's gonna he's gonna put everything in trying to acquire this guy. I mean, the dude has a pair of brass balls on his desk. So, yeah. Um, the Panthers are run. They've always been run this way. But even after him, the, we're smarter than you. And we're going to outthink you in this way. And we're going to even pay more than you for this asset and then prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And show that we were right to do that. Because and yeah, I think anyway. that's that. Yeah. That's the attitude they're going to have. And you can see the moves and the, the pieces starting to fall into place for that. Yeah. I think the interesting thing with this deal is... um. It kind of indicates to me that Christian McCaffrey would not be involved in a trade, which many have speculated. So, pairing Christian with Deshaun, perhaps DJ Moore, we could see something spicy brewing in Carolina. So, I think that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Hot Route Football Podcast. We'll uh, be producing out many more episodes in the near future, so... Keep dialed in, and uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you later. JP, you want to say anything to the people before we uh, we get off? Um, yeah, it's the silly season of football. Um, you know, guess what, Jackson? What? Only six months until football season. Woo! I can already feel it coming. All right, so thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you pretty soon. Peace.